last song is about the fucking rednecks and the fucking jocks who bring in their bullshit macho attitudes to these shows. Try to wreck them by starting fights, spreading around their bullshit racist attitudes. If you really like the swastika so much, go join the clan like your parents. If you're no different from your parents, then what are you rebelling against anyway? You're fitting in. Nazi redneck assholes, fuck off. What the fuck is up, world? We're back. Another grito. It's been about three weeks now since our last podcast, and honestly, the reason for the long delay this time has had a lot to do with a lot of everything. Um, I'm speaking here, of course, in regards to my own personal shit, for those of you who are curious. Uh, I finally had the qualifying exams that I've been talking about for so long prior to the this, this podcast in particular, right? The qualifying exams here being whether I was going to be legitimized by the governing bodies of academia as they get to determine whether I am quote unquote worthy enough to continue along with my PhD program into the dissertation phase. So I got that out of the way. It was fucking four relatively simplistic exams, but the time frame was a little bit stressing. It was four exams in three in three days, right? So obviously that naturally took up three days. Actually, I got it done in two days, right? A little humble brag there, but the lead up into that, I'm not, you know what? I'm not even going to front. I didn't even fucking study for that shit too deeply in the sense that I actually went on vacation, right? Um, and I just came back from the vacation and I took the qualifying exams. But up until that point, I had been, in fact, you know, studying for them. And hopefully your boy did well enough where they will allow me again, the gatekeepers, to continue along my philosophical or not even philosophical, it's rhetorical, this program. Uh, journey into the dissertation phase and we'll take it from there and see how that goes, right? Another reason why I have been, you know, slacking, if you will, on getting another podcast out is because, well, obviously the events that occurred here in El Paso in the time that I was actually on vacation had a lot to do with it. For those of you who have been hiding under a rock and have no idea what it is that I'm talking about, I speak, of course, of the mass shooting that occurred here uh, on around August, the, the beginning of August, right? I don't even know the exact date, so I apologize in advance. But, you know, um, I think given the light of the situation, that knowing the exact specifics is the last thing that someone like myself and our community in general should be pressed for, uh, you know, for not, for not knowing. And what I mean by that is, yo, that shit was shocking. It was a shocking event that occurred here in El Paso. It was certainly traumatic to myself, and I can only imagine to those who experience tragedy in the form of loss or the form of a loved one being injured in the hospital because of some fucking racist piece of shit dickhead who decided to come down to El Paso, the, one of the safest communities in all of America, and instill their violent form of white terrorism, try to instill, rather, the terror into our hearts, right? Unfortunately for Patrick Dickface Crucius and the rest of his fucking contemporaries who feel the same way, that's not going to happen. We are a very resilient community here in El Paso, Texas. And although the initial shock has worn off, it's not, it's never going to wear off, right? But although the initial shock, I should say, is subsiding a little bit and starting to give way, I've noticed more to the grief, 
that is expected along the steps of the four stages of recovery, right? The the point that I'm trying to make, man, is it's been a it's been an interesting three weeks, right? With my my own personal shit with school, but also in light of this, you know, fucking tragedy that occurred here in our community. And between those two things, I have had a lot of time to sit back and analyze and reflect on what it is that I want this podcast in particular to be, but also what I want all the projects that I am doing along the lines of this podcast and the shit that I do for my, you know, hood philosophy page on Instagram, but also for my, you know, professional work in terms of work, the lecture material and all that kind of stuff that I deliver, why I deliver it, and also, you know, my academic shit that I do in terms of school. And in that time, I've started to realize that as much as I love this particular podcast, I'm not saying that I'm not going to keep doing it. What I'm saying is that it's going to start to break off into certain pieces that I feel are more conducive to the overall aims that I have in mind. Uh, I guess part of this implies that I be upfront and open and honest with you all that I do myself have an agenda like every one of us do, right? I guess the only difference is that at least definitely in terms of academia, is that I can be a little bit forthcoming with my uh, agenda, right? Whereas many of us, these fake woke jokes, as I like to refer to them, uh, they're perhaps a little bit more, uh, you know, subliminal in, in delivering their agenda. And for my agenda, it's simple. I've always felt as though philosophy can heal people in many ways. I still b maintain this belief, 100% sure. And I honestly, one of the greatest impetuses for why I started doing this philosophy podcast in the first place is because it was my sincere hope that being able to do so would reach people, however many it could be, one, a million. I've said it from the beginning. I'll say it till the end. I fucking stop doing this. It doesn't matter how many people I reach. The goal is to reach people in such a way that can help enlighten them to the ways that philosophy can open our, open our minds, man, to worlds that we never thought existed before. And perhaps, hopefully, in the case that I'm about to get here shortly, close off worlds that, you know, perhaps we never had access to before. And in this particular case, uh, although I've been focusing primarily on how philosophy can help recover our lives, right? Recover our existence from a more existential perspective, which is going to be the point of the lecture for today, the point of the podcast for today. I've also felt that it can help us overcome many of the racial boundaries, mainly the racial borders that we've established as a, you know, not even that we've established, but that we have had established for us and that we have inherited, right? Just by virtue of being American citizens, but it could be anywhere in the world, right? This is not a relative, this is not a, a phenomenon that is limited to the United States of America. People, man, we are base level, we are animalistic, and it just seems to be part of our fucking fundamental human nature to want to differentiate between the ins and the outs, the others and the non-others, right? And in that respect, I always felt as though philosophy can help people realize that irrespective of any perceived differences that we may have, irrespective of, you know, these identities that we've constructed, uh, ethnicity, race, gender, socioeconomic status, and all that kind of shit, right? That we would be able to peel through these layers and see ourselves for what we truly are. And that is, you know, a shared human essence. I still, I still maintain this belief. I still think that this is possible through philosophy, right? But obviously, I'm a little bit conflicted in it, specifically in, my, in regards to my PhD program, because I feel as though we've kind of lost sight of the overall focus of not just philosophy in general, but rhetoric in particular. And that is trying to establish, if it's even possible, assuming that it even does exist, something of a truth, right? Uh, my thoughts on this matter are not relevant to this podcast today. 
because this podcast today, again, is, is dedicated to, it's, it's a little bit different than that, right? I bring it up tangentially only so that we can understand exactly how this philosophy podcast and rhetoric and how it relates to the, the greater field of rhetoric and philosophy as a whole, okay? But in regards to the identity part, man, there's no question that, you know, this fucking dickhead who came to El Paso and sought to instill terror into our community, right, was influenced by this very thing. I'm actually currently working on a lecture right now that I hope to turn into a podcast as well, but it's actually a lecture that I will be sharing from my classes uh, this coming fall semester. And it's going to be revolving around the social construction of reality. This idea that we collectively as a society construct the lived reality that we are experiencing, at least that which we believe to be the real reality, right? And inherent in this is the understanding that the ideas that we have as people are going to shape, they're going to influence this reality that we perceive as, you know, it's very, it's very complex. I don't want to get too deep into it, but the basic idea is going to be influenced, surprise, surprise, by Nietzsche. And that is that we as people, we're so limited and so vainglorious in assuming that what we believe to be the truth is the actual truth, when in reality, it's nothing more than the truth that we collectively as humans are capable of experiencing with our fundamental limitations known as the corporeal embodiment that we find ourselves ensnared in, right? So when it comes to this, you know, this lecture of the social construction of reality, the idea is going to be it's the ideas that we have as humans that is influencing our, you know, understanding of reality. And there's no question that just by virtue of being a human being, speaking again in regards to this corporeal embodiment, that we are fundamentally limited. And in this fundamental limitation, we, our ideas are themselves prone to be limited. Right. And that's where I believe we get shit like the fucking I've been talking about it. You know, perhaps I never it was so incisive, you know, because I didn't want to be too forthcoming if it wasn't already obvious enough with my own agenda. But it was to try to get people to realize like, yo, man, our fucking thoughts, they shape our understanding of reality. Our language shapes our understanding of reality. The words that we use shapes our understanding of reality. Now, obviously, I have a very. um complicated relationship with this because of the PhD program and the PhD program where it is becoming, I feel, more concerned with the identity element and less concerned with, you know, trying to discover the truth. But to be fair, it seems as though any journey towards the truth, at least in regards to us as human beings who are so concerned, again, with doing shit like othering other people is inevitably going to take a turn through the identity because, you know, historically speaking, in the case of here in the United States of America, at least, much of our understanding of what knowledge is, much of our understanding of what identity is, has run this, has been filtered through this uh, this European lens. So, in having been influenced by this European lens, it stands to reason then that whatever understanding we have of reality is going to be filtered through what it was specifically that these European wealthy men decided reality was, right? And that understanding of a reality, whatever it was that they just, well, I mean, I don't want to say whatever it was, because I, I know what it is, right? But I don't feel, I don't, there, this is not the podcast to get into depth into what it is. We're going to inevitably, in fact, if you give me one second, currently in the process of rereading this bad boy right here. It's a book that I was assigned to me for one of the history classes that I took uh, in my PhD program as an elective. It's called White by Law by Ian Haney Lopez. And he himself explicitly defines exactly what it is, right? whiteness, et cetera, essentially. Okay. And how this quote unquote whiteness, this white heterosexual male European Protestant wealthy male values there, they are what shaped academia. They are what shape our understanding of what it means to be an American citizen. Right. 
And so inherently, any 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 quest through understanding what our current conception of truth is in hopes of overcoming it is going to have to confront this because this conception of knowledge and reality has explicitly been built over the ideas that other people who aren't any of what I just mentioned is regarded as whiteness have as well. And that's currently where we find ourselves in academia. We're trying to divorce ourselves from this European conception of reality. And I'm not going to say that it's a bad thing, especially now in wake of the fucking massive mass uh, shooting that occurred here in El Paso. It's important, man. It's important because, again, these ideas of whiteness are what influenced this fucking dickhead, this dickless fucking coward, right? They they influence his understanding of reality, the words that are, you know, advanced by the people who created these, you know, elaborate thought patterns that were influenced by whiteness, you know, that were taught in our schools. All this shit that I've talked about previously in previous podcasts, if you haven't listened to them, I urge you to go listen to them if you're interested in doing so, uh, just because this is intended to be a standalone podcast, right? These ideas that, you know, of what we, what they believe to be the truth, right? This is what influences this fucking guy to come to El Paso and do the mass shootings. So in that respect, I understand the importance of, you know, the identity element in, in, in you know, academia at the current moment, because it's a group of people who are fucking fed up. We're fucking fed up, dude, with this whiteness. We're just fucking fed up with it. And we're trying to tell people like, yo, not only do we have our own traditions and not only are ours of equal merit and value, this is where the whole point that I was qualifying at the beginning of the podcast when I was saying if they're going to, the gatekeepers are going to determine whether I'm worthy or not to fucking continue along the, uh, the PhD program. This is, this is where it's influenced from, right? So not only do we have our own thoughts, we only have our own epistemologies, but we need to fucking challenge the dominant one, man. We need to fucking resist, if you will, to use the fucking shitty parlance language that's been co-opted by these fake ass woke jokes, social media or on social media, right? These little social justice warriors. But, you know, we need to co we need to take it back and establish the kernel of truth that was inherent within it. We need to resist against this fucking dominant narrative, man, because this dominant narrative is fucking violent, whether it's physical violence that the past, I can't even say the past anymore, man. We got fucking 22 dead bodies here in El Paso, Texas, less than a month ago and more in the hospital laid up because of it, right? Or it, the, the obverse of it would be the, 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 the tacit violence, right? The tacit violence in the form of what they're teaching us in school, what they teach our children in school, and you know how in turn these ideas go on to shape their, our understanding of reality. In regards to, again, this fucking guy, man, who comes to El Paso, he's coming at the behest of this whiteness that leads them to believe that, you know, this European model of reality is the correct one and that there is something of a quote-unquote Hispanic invasion in Texas, when despite all the evidence to how this is fucking just patently wrong. I mean, again, I hate to keep plugging these podcasts. It's not my fucking point to try, you know, obviously the agenda, trying to, you know, fucking get the word out there as much as I can, but I plug them just so you can go back and listen to and understand that, yo, this shit is how you get the fucking Indian problem. This shit is how you get the mass removal of Mexicans from their indigenous land, how they get the creation of the identity of a Mexican in the first place when viewed specifically through the lens of a European law here in the United States of America, right? And if we seek to overcome this shit that, you know, try to stop the events that are occurring, with, you know, this fucking, you know, these, these mass terrorists, these the white terrorists who are coming here to try to fucking stop the quote unquote ha Hispanic invasion. Bitch, there was no Hispanic invasion ever. It's fucking a brown continent. And you have these European uh, settlers, right, who have come here and have systematically tried to take away any rights that we have to our land right? outright. They want to fucking just they just want to they just want us gone, man. 
but in 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 the absence of the the you know at least in relative history the physical violence that occurred again it's the recap of the podcast through the genocide now it's in form of you know tacit violence through like you know schools and shit but this also obviously is just as detrimental so that's where you know the whole identity politic comes from through academia and yet despite that despite that remaining true to my commitments I just feel as though in terms of academia, it's time that we advance beyond that. The literature has been set. The literature is set in stone is what I'm trying to say, right? And now it's on. It's time to move on to the next facet of this, which is to try to understand a higher level of truth, the kinds of truth that can, uh, you know, hopefully be instilled in the, in our, you know, in, in, I don't want to, in, in K through 12 schools, for lack of a better term, Right. In hopes that doing so, this can be taught to future children so that they can, in fact, learn a better conception of reality that is not just this fucking lip service that we pay to fucking try to get us to believe that we're all equal and just in a country where we're quite fucking clearly not. Obviously, as the events of this past fucking month unfurled here in El Paso, the only reason this dickhead felt fucking empowered. The only reason he fucking felt capable. The only reason he felt obligated to do any of that is because they just simply don't fucking consider us equal, right? So the goal then in academia is to try to change that slowly but surely in higher ed, at least the program that I'm in, right? So that when we fucking do make the change, we can fucking start to influence the teachers who are going to in turn turn around and fucking start teaching kids like this fucking guy and your children as well, irrespective of their ethnicity, how we are truly equal and that how previously the only reason we didn't consider ourselves as such was because of the ideas that were influenced again by this fucking this whiteness that served as the foundation for our epistemology here in the United States of America still to this day, but definitely at its formation. Right. So going back to the agenda. I love this podcast and it's intended to be a philosophy podcast, and that's exactly what it's going to be moving forward. I say moving forward because I'm also, for those of you who have been keeping up with the social media, I've started doing some other shit that I feel is has been kind of a distraction from this particular podcast, at least the aims of this particular podcast. The aims, of course, being the philosophy and hopes that doing so can change our lives for the better, whether it be, you know, overcoming the fucking terrible education, the miseducation that we've been given, the terrible understanding of reality that we've been given, or perhaps, you know, some own personal shit that can help us live better lives, right? And Somewhere along that line, a lot of it has become tangential in the sense that it's become more of my own personal views and insights on, you know, current political events. Now, I'm not going to say that that's not something I'm going to stop doing for this particular podcast, but it's a sh it's a shameless plug, essentially, to uh, to another project that I'm doing, which is the run it back, which is the fucking quick rewind of the news. And in that particular project, I'm hoping to do a little bit more of just the, the news itself as, you know constructed through a philosophical perspective, but to try to keep this particular podcast more philosophically pure, right? And when I say philosophically, I don't mean just the field of philosophy, because obviously a lot of history is involved with that as well, okay? And that is kind of where I find myself today with this particular podcast. I wanted to come in here and do as I have been doing with all the previous podcasts, and that is focus on the current news, which in this particular case would be for me, obviously, the mass shooting that occurred here in El Paso, Texas, and try to parlay that to some sort of philosophical precedent that's already been set in the text, right? Hence why I started rereading this book right here, The White by Law by Ian Haney Lopez, because I was going to come in here and explain, I, I, I guess I did a little bit for the first 15 or so minutes of this podcast, 
you know, the epistem the epistemic roots of what would lead to such a fucking occurrence to, uh, you know, take place in the first place. Right. But like I realized, again, this is a philosophy podcast and I didn't want to get distracted. I don't want to get in the weeds with this kind of stuff. Right. Which is the whole point of these, these forthcoming projects. So I have to run it back. Right. Which is intended to be a quick recap of the news. But also I'm going to have another forthcoming podcast with a friend of mine who's going to be we're going to be discussing this very thing. Right. In a more in a more nuanced, non-philosophical way, they're still going to be grounded in philosophy per se, at least on my behalf, right? But it's going to be basically uh, an extended version of the running back in the sense that I'm going to be focusing more on how the current topics relate philosophically. And doing so, in doing so, I'm going to hope that I, I'm not going to hope, I'm going to make this particular podcast more philosophically relevant in the sense that I'm going to focus specifically on philosophy, right? So with that in mind, I introduce the topic for today. And the topic for today for me is for us is going to be existentialism. Now, the reason I chose existentialism is because I just feel as though me personally, I needed a little existential philosophy in my life, right? And I figured why the fuck not share my little Reacquaintance. I don't want to say reacquaintance because I don't ever really become uh, uh, unfamiliarized with it. But I was just going through my notes and I decided, you know what? This is a very, I think, good philosophy to share for the podcast moving forward from this fucking tragedy. And the reason is because this existential tradition of philosophy, at least the one that I'm going to be covering, which is that in, which is influenced by, you know, the French existential philosophers. It's a very life-affirming philosophy. And I think right now in the wake of you know all that's happened in El Paso, a life-affirming philosophy is something that is important, right? And I also think it's important just not just for those of you who probably by chance aren't listening in El Paso and don't find yourself as you know a member of the El Paso community. I'm not saying you're not shook by the events that occurred, right? But maybe perhaps it's just not, you know, it doesn't register as deeply as it would for those of us who do live here or who have lived here and moved away, right? But, you know, it's still, it's still, it's life affirming in the sense that, yo, we're living in a time when fucking motherfuckers are committing suicide left and right, yo. The fucking suicide crisis is real. And I honestly, you know, going back to the point that I was trying to make in the beginning of the podcast, I really do feel as though philosophy can help address that question. In fact, I believe that the existential tradition of philosophy specifically, whoop, can help address that question. Now, this is weird because generally speaking, when we discuss existential philosophy, it has a seeming negative rap to it. That is to say, it's uh, it, it's perceived to be as a very life-negating philosophy, at least from those of us who are outsiders to the tradition of philosophy, who assume, or, like, or rather unjustly, associate existentialism with, you know, a nihilistic view of the world. And by nihilism, I mean, in this particular sense, the existential nihilism, nihilism in general, if I haven't mentioned it before, or if you haven't heard it before, it's just nothingness, the idea of nothingness, right? So in terms of epistemic nihilism, for instance, they're just going to simply say that there is no knowledge that can be had. As far as the existential nihilist tradition is concerned, they're basically in a flat out state and, and, simpli and this is the simplest way to put it, that there is no meaning and value in life, right? And I feel as though that is what the majority of us who are unversed with the existential tradition of philosophy incorrectly associated with, right? And I feel as though, I know this was me personally, uh, prior to taking my first existentialism class, is the reason why so many of us, maybe even 
avoid existential philosophy because maybe you find yourself struggling with your own shit at the current moment. And the last thing you need to do is read some text, for instance, about some philosophers who are deeply concerned about why they shouldn't just fucking kill themselves. That's some deep serious, that's some deeply serious shit, right? And if you don't find yourself in the right state of mind, you might, I can understand feeling why you would want to avoid it, right? But the problem is, is that this existential tradition of philosophy is not a life, it's not a life negating tradition. In fact, I find that the existential tradition in philosophy is actually quite the opposite. It's a fucking, it's a life affirming philosophy. And it's a philosophy that asks us to confront face to face the reality that is the fleeting nature of our existence, man. And hence why I felt the need to share, you know, my little refamiliarization, if you will, with this existential tradition of philosophy following the wake of this fucking mass shooting here in Texas and El Paso. I'm going through, right, trying to figure out because our semester, the fall semester for me, uh, Doña Ana, is going to start here in about three, two days at uh, EPCC. It's going to start in about a week, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm considering to myself, like, what is the intention of my lectures going to be? Am I just going to go in there and waste time? Am I just going to go in there and not waste time in the sense like I'm not earning a paycheck, but wasting time in the sense of teaching philosophy that's fucking not relevant, right? And that's where I started with the whole on um, with the whole social construction of reality. The intention is going to be right to discuss again how our reality is shaped by the language that we use and all that kind of shit, right? And then from there, I was going to parlay it into this fucking existential tradition of philosophy in the hopes that doing so can help us realize, like, yo, for one, it's so stupid to be fucking concerned about shit like race, gender, ethnicity, right? Because it's fucking inconsequential, man. It's it's all a construct of these fucking structures, right? That, that, that we have given our lives over to that in hopes of give, that they will give us meaning and value. Okay. And that includes, generally speaking, it gets the bum, this, this, this concept will get the bum rap because it's assumed that I'm placing the blame on the people of color who have been using it. But it's fucking quite the opposite, man. I'm placing the fucking, I'm, 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 I'm putting the burden of proof. I'm putting the burden rather, not burden of proof on these fucking white supremacists, man. Like, yo, this idea that you as a white person are superior, that shit is played out. It's dead. It's fucking dying. It's the, it's, it's the end of this fucking ideology. We're moving forward from this, okay? And you need to fucking realize that that's okay. Like, it's okay to fucking... To move on from this ideology that has fucking served as the foundation of this country for the first 200, 300 years inevitably we're going to have to realize that as powerful as this you might feel about this ideology it's nothing more than a fucking it, it it's it's an excuse that you're that we're putting forward we're allowing to be put forward to us to get us to realize that ultimately nothing fucking matters man this is where the the, the fucking you know the nihilistic tendency for the existential tradition of philosophy can get inserted but i say it in the sense that yo your color of your skin is not fucking relevant your ethnicity is not relevant. Your sexual orientation, your socioeconomic status, it is not relevant when seen in the understanding that at the end of it all, we all fucking die and anything that we thought of any fucking importance prior to that was fucking meaningless, man. So rather than allow ourselves to fucking fall victim into this passive existence where we seek to escape this need, this meaninglessness by attaching ourselves to a fucking ideology that we feel will give us some sort of meaning and value, we should instead affirm the possibilities of life and say, dude, you're going to fucking die. It's not a matter of if, 
It's a matter of when. And before that happens, you need to make of your life the best that it can fucking potentially be because you only get one fucking shot at this, man. At least that's what we're told here in the Western world that's been influenced by the Abrahamic tradition of reality. And under, uh, I'm, I'm just assuming that you're probably not going to live your best life if you've attached it to some fucking ideology, whatever ideology it may be. But in this particular instance, the ideology that's got you fucking thinking that just because you're a white person that you're somehow superior to everybody else. It's not fucking true, man. In fact, I'm going to make the argument that you're missing out on all the possibilities that life has to fucking offer because you're you're conscientiously ignoring all facets of culture, all facets of, you know, difference that make life. It's the variety is the spice of life, man. And while you could fucking be compelled, you could compel yourself to uphold to this rigid understanding that is, you know, vehemently against introducing any outside influence because it's an other Yo, you could also just as easily embrace it, right? Yo, tacos are awesome. Margaritas are awesome. Obviously, as Mexican culture, we have so much more to offer than that. That's the worst. Fuck, it's not the worst example. It's, I'm trying to be silly, right? I'm being facetious here. But you open up yourself to this and you introduce fucking tacos into your life, margaritas in your life, and it adds a little variety to your life, man. And then that's just the fucking, that's just the cracking of the door from there. You fucking open it up and you start to realize, yo, why am I so fucking concerned with this fucking upholding this world that is keeping me from experiencing a fucking life of joy, a life of flavor, a life of value, right? And that, that's kind of what I mean by this, this affirmation of life in, the, in terms of existential philosophy. It's simply asking us, yo, understand, appreciate, and recognize that you are a fleeting ephemeral being. And in this fleeting ephemeral nature of yours and ours, all of ours in general, right? This tlactic back to use the Nahuatl influence of it, right? It's not going to last, man. So we got to fucking try at least to enjoy it the best that we can, right? So this is where we get this existential philosophy. It's this, it's like, it's, it's not even a philosophy, honestly. It's more like this realization of this self-consciousness. You become self-conscious of yourself living in this broken world. Obviously, I don't need to be the one to fucking tell you, man, this world is not perfect. But the good news is it can only get better. It's never been perfect. We never had an ideal time, Right. Uh, it's an ambiguous world. It's a dislocated world, a world in which we're kind of just thrown into and we're condemned yet abandoned to be free, right? We're condemned to exist. We're abandoned to be free in the sense that whatever becomes of our life is ideally a choice of ours, right? And it's a weird, it's a weird world, which appears to be entirely indifferent to this absurdity. Okay. So this existential tradition of philosophy then is going to want to come along and seek to avoid, conscientiously seek to avoid giving any sort of meaning and purpose in the face of this absurdity. Because the moment that we give our life, we the, the moment we allow any you know external force to give meaning and purpose to our life is the moment these external forces take away meaning and purpose from our life. That's just what they do, right? In fact, it's going to want to say any philosophy, this existential tradition does, they're going to want to say that any philosophy that fails to recognize this unresolvable confusion of the human world, yes, that we should seek to avoid it. We, should, we have to avoid it because there's just, we have this inherent desire within us, right? To, it's this all too human desire to familiarize ourselves with the unfamiliar in hopes that doing so is going to help resolve the confusion that we experience that just being thrown into this alien world, right? And that, you know, it's going to help give this alien world some sort of stability to some sort of normalcy, right? And that we'll grasp at whatever will give us this, this, this conception of familiarity, right? 
We got to resist that, man, because the reality is there is no fucking familiarization. There is no fucking nothing is normal, dude. There is nothing normal about being a human being. I often is a little thought experiment that I like to give to my students when I'm in class and we're discussing the fear of death, right? It's a big fucking topic in the existential tradition of philosophy of death in general, right? But particularly, I like to give this question when discussing the fear of death, right? And the way that I like to do it is something that helped me personally confront the fear that I, you know, obviously still experienced occasionally, but at previously when I was a younger person would consume me. And it basically states that I don't, I don't understand what's more, what's more terrifying, the idea of fucking non-existing for all of eternity or the idea of existing period. Because think about it, man, this right here, whatever the fuck this, this experience is, whatever the fuck we, again, going back to the beginning of the podcast, as these limited human beings have decided, this is what reality is. What we as humans are able to decipher that what we believe reality is, it's not fucking normal, man. And it's more importantly, it's not going to last. It's fucking fleeting, right? So realistically, to quote this great fucking quote that I can't fucking recall off the top of my head, I believe it's Sioran, right? Uh, existence is banishment, man. And nothingness is home. What do I mean by that? What does he mean by that? What do they mean by that? Those of us who have conveyed this idea. We've been dead for all of eternity. Unless you believe in fucking like reincarnation and shit. Unless you believe in avatar type existence. Realistically, nothingness is where we've been for all of eternity. And nothingness is ideally where we're going to return to after we fucking die. Right? This though, this fucking experience, this is what's weird. It was nothingness that we were ripped away from. We were ripped away from the warm embrace of nothingness and thrown into this fucking alien and hostile world, this alien and hostile existence, right? That's the fucking weird shit, okay? And as normal as we like to make it fucking seem, as normal as we like to make it appear to be in the form of these structures that we've created, right? There's nothing normal about that. And so what the existential, it's, it's not normal in the sense that a fucking a tree growing in the forest, that's normal. That's natural. A fucking business arriving in, arising in the middle of a downtown uh, in the form of a corporation, that's not fucking normal. That's human. That's we did that, right? Now, the argument could be made, right, from the naturalistic perspective that we are just acting in accordance to our natural fucking instincts and that... um that the, uh, it's in our natural you know, predilection to build these institutions and erect these structures, maybe, or maybe humans could get along just fucking well the way we did prior to the advent of modern society, right? In the form of hunter-gatherers and all that kind of sense. And that that's what's normal and that this, all this other world that we've created is what's abnormal in the wake of it, right? So going back to this existential tradition and philosophy, they're going to say, listen, man, you got to seek to try to avoid trying to familiarize yourself with this experience of reality. Because again, it's not fucking normal. There's nothing normal about this, right? And inevitably, inevitably, any attempt to familiarize yourself with this reality is always going to end in the form of some fucking draconian, vampiristic institution that's going to seek to take away <clears throat> your agency, the meaning and value that you have in your life, etc. right? And thus, this is where we find ourselves with this fucking dickhead who came to El Paso to cause terror, right? He fucking fell victim in his this fucking weak, pathetic slave that this person is, dude. The slave in the sense that he was too weak to fucking acknowledge the inherent meaningless and the inherent absurdity of existence. And in doing so, instead, latched himself onto a fucking shitty fucking ideology in the form of white supremacy and gave his entire life away to that, right? This is where the slave part comes into play. And because of that, he gave away his whole fucking life, right? At least I would like to hope so. Obviously, it's a fucking white man in America committing a fucking 
treasonous, a fucking terroristic act, I should say rather, right? But probably fucking if 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 he gets a good lawyer, right? He might even just get away with a slap on the wrist because that's just the fucking nature of the beast that we find ourselves living in, right? But the point that I'm trying to make is not in regards to the identity politics yet so much as it is in regards to, dude, like even if he gets put to death, even if he spends the rest of his life in jail, okay, fine. Like I personally hope he gets hung by his fucking nutsack, right? And he gets his fucking, his slit throat, his fucking throat slit open and they leave him there to bleed out like a fucking pig. That, that's how I think that he should be killed, right? However, I understand full well that even if he does die, even if he is in prison for the rest of his life, there's there's nothing that, that could be done to you know undo the tragedy that he's done. And more importantly, it's not going to take away from the fact that as a person, this fucking asshole gave away his life, right? All because all because of the desire to fucking somehow make the fucking unfamiliar familiar, to try to fucking reconcile the this dynamic tension within him as a human being that's found themselves alienated in a dislocated and fractured world that he's desperately trying to seek meaning and value in, right? And again, this is where this existential tradition of philosophy is going to come along and tell us, no, dude, you got to fucking avoid that because it's in these institutions, they're going to they're gonna co-opt. They're going to co-opt your life and they're going to take your agency and they're just going to use you as nothing more than a puppet to continue to advance their fucking ideology and their own interests, right? So what I mean by that then, going back to this guy, is that while, you know, he's going to fucking die, hopefully, or if not, spend the rest of his life in jail for the, you know, the massacre that he created here in El Paso, the ideology of white supremacy is unfortunately going to continue for, you know, hopefully not much longer, but probably first all of the, the duration of humanity, right? Uh, and because th this is nothing more than a structure that has, it, it, that has been erected in the wake of people coming to terms with the fact, or at least refusing to come to terms with the fact that this world that we're living in is fucking inherently meaningless, valueless, uh, it's inherently alien, etc. right? So going back to this existential tradition of philosophy, we can either confront and deal with the seeming meaninglessness of existence without looking to some external entity to give our life purpose, right? And stop seeking to embrace, we, we should stop trying to have people give our lives meaning and purpose and value. We should just embrace it, right? Embrace the nothingness, embrace the meaninglessness, embrace the fracture, embrace the alienation, okay? And give one's life own, its own unique meaning and purpose in the wake of this, okay? So this is again, circling back to the life-affirming aspects of existential tradition of philosophy. They're going to say, listen, dude, A, you're born, you're alive, and you're going to die. That's a given, okay? B, in the meantime, people before you have come along and they've confronted this reality and in a fucking effort to avoid, you know, having to deal with it, have enacted structures that give them meaning and purpose and value. And those structures, B, are now in turn going to seek to influence you in such a way that if you allow yourself to fall victim to them, they are going to strip you of the one fucking shot that you have to live a fucking dope life, man. And you don't want to do that because again, I mean, fuck dude, how many times, how, how many examples of people being fucking, you know, wasting a life? How many examples of the cats in the cradle type shit of people, you know, uh, wishing they could go back in time and spend more time with their kids as opposed to being at work? How many times do we have to fucking hear about people who are laying on their deathbed lamenting all the shit they wish they could have done when they were younger, right? And all the shit that they didn't do because they were being fucking held hostage by these fucking ontologies, this social construction of reality, if you will, that told them from a young age that this is what life is and that there is nothing, there's nothing outside of it, right? 
So this goes back to, you know, the very beginning of the podcast when I said, yeah, that's the agenda, man, is to try to open up and close off worlds to people. Which worlds am I trying to close off? The ones that make you fucking think, you know, shitty thoughts that are keeping you from us, all of us collectively as a human race from advancing to something that we're better capable of. What am I trying to open them to through philosophy, through the use of philosophy? Worlds that can help us live better fucking doper lives, right? So yeah, of course, man, I wanted to go back and fucking revisit this existential tradition to remind myself like, yo, this is why we're doing this, man. Don't fucking waste your time inside the classroom. Don't waste your fucking time with the lectures. Don't waste your time with the podcast. Don't waste your time with the videos, right? Hence now why you're seeing all the, you know, delineation of different videos and an upcoming for a future podcast that has nothing to do with philosophy, right? Because yo, every action, every intention, every thought, it fucking matters, man. We like to confuse, we like to delude ourselves and believing otherwise but they don't. And, you know, I personally don't want to be that person who's laying on my fucking deathbed watching the fucking little, you know, shit on the machine go tick, tick, tick as my life slowly starts to fucking leave my body and sit there and fucking lament and rue all the things that I wish I could have done when I fucking was, you know, when I had a chance and opportunity to do so. And now that I'm fucking laying in my deathbed, assuming I'm fucking fortunate enough to be in that position, right? I could just die suddenly and instantaneously, right? Being laying there in the deathbed, and regretting, lamenting, and ruining all the things that I wish I could have done when I could have had the chance to do so, and yet did it, right? And ideally, one way that I'm not going to be able to do this is if I give my life and agency away to these fucking shitty institutions and ideologies, again, right? That close off worlds from me. So nah, man, trying to open the world. We're trying to fucking close off, if anything, the worlds that are keeping us from living doper lives and open up the worlds that are, allow us to fucking live better lives, right? So coming back to the effect of this existential tradition and philosophy, then basically what it's asking us is to come face to face with this understanding that I've tried to lay out through you through the fucking example of this fucking guy who came to El Paso and caused terror. I hate to keep using that fucking parlance, but I just, you know, I don't want to say his name. I don't want to keep saying his name. Right. Um, but ideally, obviously, these are all issues that the majority of us seek to avoid talking about for whatever fucking reason. I, I don't understand. In fact, I mean, still to this day, I don't understand the taboo behind talking about shit like death. Like, it's fucking ignoring it's going to make it go away. I don't understand the, top, the taboo about talking about shit like religion and politics, as if doing so is going to fucking somehow better our relationships with one another who disagree with our religious and political beliefs, right? And what I definitely don't understand is the unwillingness of many to fucking, myself included at times, confront this fucking, this desire right? Not even a desire. It's not a fucking desire. It's to confront the reality that we find ourselves in this meaningless, seemingly meaningless uh, universe, right? But that's ideally what this existential tradition and philosophy is asking of us. And they're going to say to us, this, this is obviously not a very easy thing to do, right? It's a reason why we're seeking to avoid it, right? But that when ideally we are afflicted with what they're going to refer to as the existential attitude, it's an inevitability. Once you become inflicted by it, there's no, there's just no way around it, right? And I think that for many, uh, living in El Paso, but also those of you who have perhaps experienced, I'm, I'm going to say perhaps, I'm sure all of us experienced tragedy and trauma in one form or another throughout our lives, right? It's one that is definitely made available to us this, uh, you know, through death, right? And, you know, the realization that we are in fact going to die and all that kind of shit, right? So by being, you know, we're kind of awakened from our state of fallenness, if you will, our state of slumber, the slumber here being the unwillingness to confront death for what it is, right? And that in this being awakened from it, we find ourselves in this disoriented and state of uh, disoriented state of confusion, right? And this is kind of the existential syndrome that I'm talking about. It's one that, you know, it's the byproduct of this when you realize that this teleological process of history 
one that we're being told is leading and culminating to this fucking greater freedom that all of us are going to be entitled to here in the you know modern world, it's not really coming to fore. It's not really coming to be, right? In fact, you know, we were told, for instance, that fucking technology was going to be this liberating force. But in reality, we're starting to see it take form in the form of, you know, mass militarism, technocracy, assault rifles. Now, I'm not saying I'm against assault weapons. Obviously, I've gone out of my way explicitly to say that I'm for them, guns in general, right? But there's no question that that technology was, can be fucking used in terribly devastating ways, right? Uh, we see the triumph, if you will, of capitalism, the quote unquote triumph of capitalism in the form of, you know, oppressive economic institutions that, you know, exploit people at every fucking corner right? And the sudden onslaught of globalism, right? All of this resulting for a world that, again, we're not, only, we're not prepared for it. We never were prepared for it. So any attempt that we had to try to familiarize ourselves with the world has been further fucking hampered by this technological process, if you will, right? And rather than culminating in some grand crescendo again, it's ultimately, ultimately meaning that it's, you know, this grand crescendo is going to hopefully reveal to us the meaning of life, it seems as though it's only helping us discover more and more how there is nothing of the sort, no meaning, no purpose and value, right? So again, what this existential tradition and philosophy is going to want to tell us is that we're kind of at best lost in this gray area between wanting to be an individual and wanting to be, uh, wanting to do as we are told by society, right? All the while hoping that we're going to find a home in this world, knowing full well somewhere deep within us that we probably will never be successful, Right. And what I mean by that is that if you are an individual, you're probably not going to be a very happy individual, right? Uh, in a mass-produced society, and if you are a person who is, you know, living in, who is comfortable with the, you know, with the luxuries of a mass-produced society, you probably wouldn't be very happy being an individual as well, right? So, in regards to this existential attitude, this existential syndrome, okay, it's a it's a feeling of self-consciousness when we're made aware of just how, you know alienated we are from reality, how divorced we are, how fractured our existence is, okay? It's, uh, we feel separated from the world. We feel separated from other people. And that, you know, this separation is the cause for much of the anxiety and unhappiness that we're currently experiencing, not just currently, right? Definitely now, but historically as a society. If you want to ask me personally, I feel, listen, it might be an, uh, a fucking unpopular argument to make, but I honestly do feel as though Again, this is difficult to say, but you know, this guy who comes to El Paso, man, it's the result of him living in a fractured world. This person, man, is living in a society that just failed him. The society failed him, man. You know, this fucking white supremacy, y'all motherfuckers failed him, right? But we also as a society failed him. And the reason this might be an unpopular statement is because implicit in this admission is the understanding that we have to be willing to forgive, not forgive. Yeah, forgive. We have to be willing to forget, not forget in the sense that we'll never forget the legacy of them. But we have to forget the fact that, you know, inevitably, if we're going to seek to overcome this bestial nature that we are as humans, we're going to have to forget all the past trauma, right? In order so that we can make way for the future developments. Let's try this again, because this is very difficult for me. It's difficult for me in the sense that I don't want to dismiss. I don't want to make light. I don't want to give the impression that I'm trying to move forward because I'm not. It's less than a month, man. It's been fucking two weeks at most since this fucking, you know, mass shooting occurred here in El Paso. But what I am trying to say is that we collectively share some sort of responsibility 
for the actions that was, you know, still to this day continuing to be spread by these white supremacists. It's our responsibility to fucking put an end to any sort of white fucking supremacy here in the United States of America. Point blank period, right? The identity politics bullshit aside, there's no question that it serves an importance in that role. Identity politics in general, right, or specifically white supremacy, they're limiting what we are capable of becoming as human beings, right? So we must fucking root it out from the stem, okay? And inevitably, it's going to open the space for us to get diverted and to go into different realms. And okay, understandable, okay? However, it's important for us to do so because, yo, it's a failure on our behalf for A, not having done so because it's this fucking society, this white supremacy thinking, right, that influenced his you know, actions in the first place. But more importantly, it's also a failure that we have as a society to fucking care for the most vulnerable people in our population. Now, I hesitate in saying this. Because I don't want to give this, the, the perception that I'm trying to be sympathetic to this fucking terrorist. Because I'm not. Right? What he did was fucked up. And there's no apologizing for what he did. We cannot forgive. We cannot forget. Right? And to even ask to do so is fucking... It's just... It's, it's not the time. Right? But what I am going to say is that we must have the strength to continue to move forward. And inherent in this strength is the understanding that we're going to have to accept responsibility for the weakest members of society, including the ones that we don't fucking value. Now, generally speaking, at least as the current rhetoric dictates, we think that the weakest members of our society are immigrants, are people of color, etc. right? But they're not, man. The weakest members of our society right now are these fucking mass shooters, for instance. Okay, only a sick, weak mind would do as they have done here in El Paso, in Dayton, in you know California recently, in Sandy Hook, in Florida, the high school in Florida, Columbine, all the school shootings. Right? Only a sick, weak mind would do that. But if we think that fucking taking away the weapons is the answer, it's not, and we're fucking neglecting an even deeper issue, man. And that is that they need to be fucking. I don't want to say cared for because that gives the impression that I would want some sort of government influence on them. I don't. But we as a society need to start account. I don't want to even say we as a society because I don't want to fucking pontificate. That's not my goal. It's not my intention ever. What I'm trying to say is we as individuals that comprise the society that we're living in, we're going to have to understand the, the role that we have in fucking overcoming this, man. This is a very difficult topic to talk about. Partly, again, because A, so recent. B, because my thoughts are completely not flushed out on the matter yet, right? But the basic idea is that we, as a society, are failing. We're failing each other, right? And at least for my purposes, this is what I think that the role of philosophy can come along and do, is that we, as philosophy professors, have failed society by not acknowledging this right? Not acknowledging these issues. We have failed them by continuing to discuss philosophy that doesn't necessarily concern itself with this in the analytic tradition, for instance, which is that which is most privileged in academia. And if making a change is what we truly desire, again, it doesn't start with taking away the guns, man. It starts with fucking changing people's minds. 
So as far as my personal agenda, again, going back, this was my fucking intention with this podcast. It's my intention with every fucking class that I teach, right? It's my goal to try to fucking compensate for what I personally feel is a failure, for instance, from all the prior philosophers before me in the Western tradition of philosophy, right? To address this issue in hopes that doing so would fucking start slowly but surely changing the foundation that allows for such fucking shitty thinking to occur in the first place. How can I change it? By getting people to realize, A, fucking identity is bullshit. B, we need to fucking reclaim our lives back from these fucking forces that enable such fucking shit thinking in the first place and hopes that doing so will get us to realize again our shared collective essence as human beings. So when I say that it's we as a society that have failed people, I'm not speaking... Again, it's complicated. I speak to you as an individual, to me as an individual, but also to us as individuals that find ourselves forced to be living in these fucking mass-produced societies where we're filling roles that were previously laid before us. We have the responsibility to fucking halt the actions, if you will, of those that came, right, and laid the foundation for these structures that we find ourselves in and try to revert them and reverse them in such a way that could be of use to actual use to us here in the 21st century, right? So this is where this idea of responsibility that we have starts to come into play, at least in this particular sense, right? Going back to the existential tradition of philosophy, okay? It's, again, we find ourselves in the era, you know, we find ourselves in this existential syndrome as a self-conscious individual who is separated from the world, right? What I'm trying to say then is that, yo, we need to fucking try to work to close this separation. And, you know, the parts where it does become difficult to work to separate this separation, realize that most of the reason that people are separated in the first place is because they feel isolated. We feel threatened. All of us do, man. We feel insignificant. We feel meaningless. And in response, right, we demand that this be taken away from us through some sort of institution. But nah, we got to work to fucking close that gap, not through some institution, whether it be your religion, whether it be your identity, but on a personal level, me to you, right? Irrespective of our own personal beliefs, irrespective of our own personal fucking agendas, right? And hopes that doing so will fucking just make a better world, man. I mean, again, I I I, I hesitate when I say this because I'm with, I resist at any chance to fucking make familiar the unfamiliar to the, use the parlance from this very, very basic introduction from today, right? But at the same time, I say it because I understand the role that we do, in fact, fucking play in shaping the fucking shared collective experience that we have as humans. So I guess, you know, we're at about the hour mark, you know, and I'm not trying to give this is this has been a very difficult podcast, right? Because A, the ideas obviously aren't completely flushed out, but B, it's the first podcast in light of this tragedy, right? And uh, at the behest of trying to seem as though I'm trying to glorify it and profit off of it because it's not my intention. But it's difficult because, yo, I'm starting to realize myself, like, this shit is important, man. I'm not trying to be grandiose, but this podcast is important. The actions that you do yourself, they're fucking important. It may seem as though they're unimportant, but collectively, taken as a whole, they are what comprise our whole understanding of reality. And if we allow them if we allow this understanding of reality to continue being influenced by these fucking past forces that have led to a fucking just not it's not we're better than this we're better than this right and the only way that we're going to change that is if we acknowledge the ways that you know we're fucking failing and seek to make better make better for ourselves right this fucking world that we're living in could be fucking dope as shit man and it starts first by understanding the terrible fucking ideologies that influence it 
and hoping, understanding that most of that is fucking built off nothing more than a desire to escape the fucking inherent meaningless and the inherent valueness, valuelessness that we find ourselves with here just by virtue of being a human being, right? So with that said, this is the, I'm going to go ahead and put an end to this bad boy for today. Before I go, I want to just a quick departing thoughts. First of which being moving forward, I have been very non-linear. Again, as I qualified it before in the podcast, uh, that's just part of how my brain works, right? But uh, moving forward, there's no more non-linearity. I'm going to continue along with this fucking trajectory of the existential tradition and philosophy for the next podcast until I get to, you know, a satisfactory conclusion. So you could be on the lookout for that. Right. Uh, another thing that I'm going to want to quick do is a little quick shout out to the people who have been listening. Ashley, what's up? Thank you. If you're still listening to this, I appreciate that uh, specifically. Right. But also everybody else that's continuing along this journey. Uh, I plan on being more consistent with this now because, again, obviously the added responsibility that I feel the agenda that I'm trying to push more specifically. Right. So hopefully you continue to stay tuned and, you know, spread the word. Uh, as far as spreading the word is concerned, if you're listening and you haven't yet done so, I'd appreciate a follow on the social medias, OG underscore Ice Nice 13 on Instagram and of course, Ice Nice on Facebook, right? So with that said, I hope you all have a great rest of your day, night, whenever the fuck you find yourself listening to this and the fucking spatial temporal uh, elements that we find ourselves existing within here on Earth. And I'll see you next time. Peace.